0: Love, Inc. is is technically a ministry we support, but not really because Love, Inc. isn't a parachurch ministry like uh, a lot of others. Uh, Love, Inc. is unique. Love, Inc. is us and 40-some other churches and a dozen or so business partners uh, all uh, partnering together to meet needs and to uh, bring people to Jesus and to love them and to help them in Brevard County. And so, for example, we have a food pantry. We do a budget mentoring class, and that's our part. And there are a bunch of other churches doing other parts. And so it's not a church ministry. It's a ministry, a cooperative ministry of the churches in Brevard County. We've been involved for a long time. And one of the things I love about Love, Inc., is it doesn't just give people stuff. Uh, Love Inc. vets people and uh, says, hey, you need money, you can't pay your bills, we'll help, but we'll also help you learn why you can't pay your bills, and we'll go through a budgeting class, or we'll deal with some issues in your life, like maybe don't spend your money on drugs. You know, stuff like that. So, (laughs) seems like, yeah. And so, the approach is to help people, not just to... You know, eat, but to walk with Jesus. Amen? And so, at the center of all of that is Christy Stewart, our executive director. And so, once a year, we turn Sunday morning over to Love, Inc., and we're going to do that in just a minute, and then John Moss is going to bring a word. And uh, also, for those of you who are new, we've recently moved the bulk of our worship to the end of the service. There's a reason for that. I don't have time to explain it. Keep coming. Sooner or later, I'll say it again. And, uh, but just know it, there's more. So if you're going, hey, that was kind of good. Why did we stop? Uh, just stay for the whole service. Okay? All right. So, uh, Christy, I'm going to let you talk more about Love, Inc.
1: Thank you. So Jesus is really the center of all this, right? All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning. We are so excited to be here. So the Love Inc. movement, we are an international nonprofit, and we're about 45 years old, but we have been here in Brevard County for 18 years. And you know what? Church on the Rock was one of our first partner churches. So we have been in relationship with you guys for a very, very long time. So we are excited to be here. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Anna Fetterman. I know that she's watching from home. Anna, hello. We love you. You know, I really have to give a shout out to her because she has led our budget mentoring team for about eight years. And there are many of you here, so shout out to you as well, who have been mentors over those years. And we are starting our next budgeting course uh, next Sunday night. So thank you for being the body and coming alongside people in need and helping them understand the role that God calls them to play with their finances, right? Praise the Lord. Tony is is our board chair, so we love Tony. He's done an amazing job. Um, so, we uh, put together a new video this year, and I'm excited to show it to you because I think it really gives you a, whole, a holistic picture of what Loving does. I know a lot of you already know who we are, are and are involved, but I know we have some new folks here today, too. So, we're going to show you this video, and then I'm going to come back up and share a little bit more. God calls us to help people in need, and we can't do it without churches. People really do want to help, but they don't know how. That's where Love, Inc. comes in to mobilize local churches to change lives in the name of Christ.
2: When you step into Love, Inc., it is a whole new world. We are here to help people transform their lives. Brevard County is really a hidden treasure.
1: You know, there's a lot of need in our county. We've got drug addiction, payday loans, which is predatory lending, domestic violence, human trafficking, homelessness. Housing is one of the biggest um, calls that we get. Car problems, there's a big need for dental care right now, too. And so these are some of the things that Love, Inc., Um, is focusing on so that we can ultimately say, no more on our watch are we going to allow these community woes. And we can do that through you, the church.
3: Love, Inc. is not a parachurch ministry. and Love, Inc. does not exist apart from the church. Love, Inc. is a partnership of churches that come together under the umbrella of Love, Inc in order to meet the needs in the county.
2: We see ourselves as an extension of the church. It is like a bridge, as the ultimate connector. If you have people in need, what you do, well Love Inc. is the structure in how to help people become sustainable. We surround them with love, we surround them with support, and we watch transformation happen.
1: I'm often asked, what do I do when somebody comes up to my church and asks me for money? You absolutely want to refer them to Love, Inc. because we are going to be able to really spend the time and see what is happening at the root of that issue as believers. We have this internal struggle. I want to help this person in need. I'm called to help this person in need, uh, but I want to make sure I'm doing it in an honoring way because we don't want to enable anybody, right? This is what makes Love
2: Inc. unique. We're not a hand out, we're a hand up.
1: We really want to walk with our clients through their need, not around it. You don't want to just give that easy fix. A lot of churches give money or give things away, but then the people are still there and needy, so we're here, if churches use us, to help them, help people better, up out of those situations. Because we are a partnership of 50 churches, we can pull from those 50 churches to help that individual in need. And when there's a need in that church, the other churches come together. Where if it's just that one church and they're in a silo, all they have is what's already in their hands.
2: We hear it and we say, how can we help? Because we believe if one of us hurts, all of us hurt.
1: Our offices for Love, Inc. are located within the Village Thrift Thrift Store. My belief it's the best thrift store in
2: Brevard. We are a ministry that believes in dignity, so everything that you'll find here is high
1: quality. The thrift store really helps to support our ministry. All the proceeds from the thrift store go right back in to help our clients. Our organization, Ready for Life Brevard, works with youth aging out of foster care, and we are a community partner with Love, Inc. Since January, we've helped 20 homeless youth find housing. The next step is to help them be successful in that housing, and Love, Inc. is a critical piece of that. For free, they can come into the thrift store, and they can get three outfits for themselves. Top, bottom, shoes, coat, all for free. Love, Inc. came in, wrapped around them, and uh, it was wonderful. It was like a match made in heaven. (laughs) So do you see how we're working together. <laughs> so there's over 500 churches in the county
0: and our county
3: is
2: longest in Florida. We need the Big C Church, and that is the church in all denominations to come together and walk alongside to see the transformation of our community.
3: And while no one church can really meet the need the church together can make a huge impact. We're never going to agree on everything, but we
1: can agree on love and extending that love.
2: Um, If more churches know about Love Inc. and really know how Love Inc. works, then it's
1: just going to explode. Can you just imagine if we all came together? We would change Brevard County. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So our mission is to mobilize local churches. That's the big C church, right? Christians, because we know that this building is not the church, right? That's you and I. To change lives and communities in the name of Christ. So lives, that's really that micro view. That's where we're working with individuals. That macro view is the community, change the community, So you saw in that piece about Ready for Life, we are working with lots of other nonprofits and agencies to bring this all together. Now, coming out of CityFest, we have seen a greater increase of people working together like we've never seen before. And so we are working with lots of other nonprofits and agencies, and we're looking at the marketplace, the businesses. We're looking at service. We're looking at Prayer and evangelism, because if we don't have that gospel saturation, it's all for naught, right? Jesus is the one that transforms people's lives. Um, So, uh, just one of the things I want to share that we're doing right now is we're working with 13 other. Nonprofits and agencies that are working on that attainable housing piece. You saw in the video, Maureen said, we know that housing is a big issue right now, right? Affordable housing. It's a problem in Brevard County. So these 18 agencies and Love, Inc. are coming together and saying, how can we pull something together that we can share with the body of Christ to say, how is God calling you to get involved? And at the same time, we're gonna have people praying to help move that forward. We're gonna see how we can bring the gospel message into that. So it's really, really exciting. I can tell you that I have never been more excited about what Love, Inc. is doing Than I have right now. And I've been with loving for 10 years. And it's supernatural. The Lord is bringing believers together. It's totally amazing and awesome. So I wanna ask you are you using your gifts, talents, and resources to help people in need? Prayer. We need prayer warriors to break through, right? Because we know that prayer is a tool that the Lord has given each one of us to affect change on the earth. What about your resources? Maybe you work full time and you're super busy, but God has given you the ability to make a lot of money. We need those finances to move this forward, right? What about your time? We are in transition right now in our thrift store and it's really cool, it's a whole new season. And we need volunteers, even if it's a couple hours, one time a week to come in and measure some linens or sort through some scarves or, th- or sort through some clothes. So we have lots of opportunities to volunteer. Uh, maybe you have a heart to walk with people in need. So we have mentors that work with our clients each week to move them forward. So I believe you guys were given a, what we call a little talent tie, the link up when you came in today. Um, we have the loving table at the back. So please uh, check off if you want to be a prayer partner, a giving partner, if you want to volunteer, um, or if you just, we want you to be connected to what we're doing. So we send out a couple of, uh, one, once a month, a newsletter to all of our, or all of our folks. So we want you to sign up for that so you can hear And be involved and informed as a partner church of what we're doing in Love, Inc. Amen. So come see us at the end, at the back of the table. Now, I want to share a story with you. This is um, our featured client this year. And so this was um, a lady in her 60s. And she was living in a trailer that was completely falling down around her. Like a condemned type of trailer. So she came to Loving. She's been journeying with us now for about two years. In that time frame, she was her husband was with her, and he was a very abusive person. Now, she has been a believer most of her life, but have, has walked away from the Lord. So she's in this trailer that's falling down. Her husband is abusive and not a very good person, you know, like having affairs with other people in the trailer park, like bad scene. Um, he did beat her to the point where she was able to go and get a restraining order. So praise the Lord, you know, he's out of her home, um, really, really in a dark place. She finds out she has breast cancer. This is in this two years that she's been journeying with us. It really brought her to her knees. Now we are continuing to come alongside her and journey with her. But it was those, it was a house that's falling in, a husband that she had to kick out that abused her and breast cancer that brought her to her knees and said, Lord, I need you. The good news is she has gotten through the breast cancer and it brought her to a place where she said, I'm ready. Okay. And that's what transformation is about. I mean, when you think about your own life, haven't we had to learn things over and over and we reach that point when we say, I'm ready. So the Lord allowed those circumstances in her life. I think of James chapter one, right? Count it all joy when we go through trials and tribulation, knowing that the Lord is using this to mold us more into who he wants us to be. We are going to have troubles. The Lord used these three major things to bring her to her knees and she said yes to mental health counseling. So she's now in counseling. And then one of our counseling partners, um, Wholeness to Freedom, they have a home. They're just starting transitional homing, homes for women without children. Because there's not much in Brevard County if you are homeless and you, don't ha- and you don't have children. So they have started this new home and she was accepted. She moved into this new home out of this trailer that was about to be condemned and a couple months before that, one of our other clients got a, a room in this home as well. And the bond that they have formed, so this other client helped her do a whole complete makeover. She got all new makeup and clothes, and she was so excited that she had her take a picture of it and send, us, send it to us and to her counselor to say, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Amen. And now she's sharing her faith. There at the home with the other ladies. You know, there's some that are not believers. So what a beautiful picture of just submitting to what the Lord has for her. And so we're excited to continue to journey alongside her. Yes, praise God, right? Um, So I'm excited to introduce to you your very own John Moss. Now, John Moss is actually our chaplain at Love Inc. And so he's going to share today about the foundation of transformation. So help me in welcoming John, Pastor John.
3: Well, good morning. Good to be here this morning. I got a little bit undone during the first two songs. A little bit, yeah, cut me down a little bit, please. I reached over and I said to Candy, I said, well, this is very interesting because they're singing the first, uh, uh, first third of my message. Uh, we just sang it. So I, I love it when the Lord does that. Um, there's always a, a sense of, I, I think I have the right message, but you, know, you really want to be sure. And so they were going through the songs and like, okay, Lord, I think we're where we need to be. So we're going to talk for a little while this morning about the biblical foundation for true and lasting transformation. And so some of this is a quick repeat. We'll just go through it quickly. But again, our mission, the mission of Love, Inc., is to equip and mobilize the church in order to offer hope, help, and a hand up to people in need. And our mandate comes from the Scripture. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15 tells us to give generously to the poor. Not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor, and that's why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. And then Leviticus 23, 22. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it there for the poor and the foreigners living among you. It was a few years ago when we were um, doing some uh, of our uh, seminar on restore, and I asked myself the question, well, what's what's, what's, what's a concise definition of poor, poverty? Uh, and this is, what, this is what we came up with. Um, the poor, poverty, simply people lacking the resources that are necessary to live the abundant life Jesus came to provide. And I think that pretty much encapsulates it. And most of the time when we think of the poor, I know the first thing we think of is the material. Food, clothing, housing. Sometimes it's transportation, the, the things that we say, well, there's also necessary for life. And yes, those things are necessary, but I think we all realize there are things that are far more necessary than just those things. For if you skip, number one, the spiritual, then Love, Inc. is no different than any other secular organization uh, in the United States of America. And we realize that the most important thing, the greatest need that people have is what? It's Jesus, okay? It's got to start there. And then along with the spiritual, we also realize the relational needs. How many of you know that Christianity was never meant to be lived in isolation from others? Part of this recent social distancing thing. Uh, you know, misses the point for the church. For the church, it's not a matter of sitting home watching a service on the computer. Now, if you have health issues, obviously we thank God for that technology. And there's reasons why you can't come, but folks, the church, we come together, okay? And the biggest part of church for me is not what takes place here Sunday morning, but it's what takes place in the home. It's, it's what play, takes place with the other Christians that I'm interacting with uh, throughout the week where we begin to live the one another's of scripture that you don't do on your own. And Then we realize there are also emotional needs. All these things are a part of uh, the necessity, the things that are so necessary to live that abundant life. And so our mission in a word transformation and you'll hear that a lot transformation and we do that by equipping and mobilizing the church in order to offer hope help and a hand up to people who are in need i think we have some t-shirts back there go buy one and and wear it you'll 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 see that on the t-shirt and it's so very very uh, necessary for this ministry. And so we have a a challenge here for the church. The challenge for the church is to rise up to the challenge and become the agent for change and transformation in our community that God has called us to be. The church is the mightiest agent for change on the face of the earth. Always has been, always will be. For our clients, it is to see them lifted out of poverty, living the abundant life that Jesus promised. For the community, as Christy mentioned, it is to begin to wipe out some of the community woes that keep people in poverty and in bondage. We've mentioned predatory lending, payday loans, buy here, pay here. All these schemes that uh, get the poor uh, just deeper and deeper and deeper and dead until but on their own they can't get out sex trafficking Uh, you would not believe the amount of sex trafficking that goes on in Brevard County it's huge and then one that uh, we really didn't, Christy didn't mention, but is, is, is a big one for me. I, I really care about it. And, and that's some of the woes of the uh, foster system uh, that we have today. And I don't know if, you have any, if we have any foster parents here this morning. If we do, I say God bless you. Uh, being a foster parent is a wonderful thing. But tied to that system are an awful lot of tremendous woes that I believe the church can make a real difference. Well, thinking about all this some time ago, I was reading, and I don't remember whether it was first Chronicles sixteen or Psalm one hundred five. And the reason I don't remember which passage I was reading is because they are identical. And to me, if something's in the scripture twice and it's identical, God really wants us to get it. And so first Chronicles sixteen, verse eight, a psalm of David. A psalm that was written at the time that um, David had consolidated the kingdom under his rule. He had moved the capital to Jerusalem and they were reinstituting the worship of God centered in Jerusalem. And David wrote this psalm for this occasion. And so the first part of it reads, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him sing psalms to him talk of all his wondrous works glory in his holy name let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord seek the Lord and his strength seek his face evermore it was while I was meditating on this psalm that three things uh, suddenly stood out to me number one was his name secondly his strength and third His face. As I was thinking about this, the psalm here, it came to me that man right here is the very foundation, the very foundation stones for the ministry of transformation. Number one, his name. The scripture says, "Glory in his holy name." There's two things that are uh, involved with a person's name. One is identity. The second is self-worth. And and you'll see this in the scriptures, and especially in the Old Testament. I think one of the best illustrations is Jacob. And you remember Jacob and Esau were twins. Esau was born first. Jacob was born second. And as Jacob was coming through the birth canal, he reached through the birth canal and he grabbed his twin brother's heel. The parents thought it was cute. I'm not quite sure what, it, what they thought. But they named him Jacob, which literally means heel grasper or conniver. And it's very interesting how Jacob lived up to his name. I, I, I did a whole message one time on, on Jacob, and I, I was doing a series on issues and and the truth is we all have issues Uh, you and I have issues the greats in the Word of God they had issues Jacob had issues and and Jacob's issues had to do with his identity it had to do with his self-worth until there came a day that God changed his name to Israel now he's God's Prince So there had to be a a name change. And you say, well, what does this mean for for you and I? What does it mean for the church? I think in many ways the church today is experiencing an identity crisis. All too often we see ourselves through the lens of human capacity, our limited resources, rather than the omnipotent power and unlimited resources of the Lord Jesus Christ what's in a name Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father the name of Jesus is the most powerful Name in the universe. You think about the uh, author of this psalm, David, and you know the story when David is just a young man, 17 years of age. And he's, uh, he has the courage to do what no other warrior in Israel had the courage to do, and that was to meet Goliath on the battlefield. Where did he get the courage? In himself? No. He got his courage in the God that he identified with, the God who gave him victory over the lion, the God who gave him the victory over the bear, David says, well, the same God is going to deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand, and he goes out there and he slays the giant. I think sometimes we, we're too timid and we fail to realize, hey, we are serving king of kings and lord of lords. The courage of my grandson Ezra. Most of you know Ezra. He was the bass player up here. Player. The, the cur- yeah, the guitar player. Okay, right. Okay, well, that's bass guitar, wasn't it? Okay, well, whatever he was playing. Okay. Now you're messing with me. Anyway, courageous young man. And I remember when uh, Laura and Jeremiah uh, were coming back. Uh, for a few months. They were missionaries in Israel. Maybe you didn't know that. They, they were. And uh, they came back on, on furlough, and Ezra was about four years of age. And uh, we were visiting one night, and there was just a, a bunch of people in the house. And um, I think the marches were probably there. Uh, Alan was probably there. Uh, and the, the, these kids were playing superheroes. And they had their capes on and they were carrying on. I heard quite a ruckus going on in the bedroom. And so I walked in the bedroom and there was Ezra with his cape and his sword standing on the very edge of the foot of the bed, getting ready to take a flying leap, okay, across the room into the closet to land on all this stuff that was piled in the closet. And I took one look and Grandpa goes in, Ezra, be careful! Ezra looks at me, he puts his sword in the air, he goes, God will take care of me, and boom, took a leap. Ezra, don't you ever lose that. Don't you ever lose that. Man, if the church could get a little bit of that. Yeah, just, just 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 a little bit of that, God will take care of me. Look at the song you sang this morning. I heard this song like I, I just, I didn't know where to the shout, cry, do what? So I just stood there. <laughs> when all I see is the battle, you see the victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? I mean, the uh, book of Revelation, Here's, here's another great scripture. It says these, the forces of Antichrist will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. The book of Daniel says, 11.32, speaking of this time period, a time period that I think we are very uh, quickly approaching. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Do we believe it? If we believe it, then the woes of our county the things that are keeping uh, the people in the county in bondage, friends, they can and they will fall will beneath fall. our feet. Yes. You may or may not have heard of Nancy Harmon. She's a, a lady Pentecostal preacher and song evangelist. And uh, I, I, love, I, I love to hear this lady especially sing. I like to hear her preach. And what I really love to hear her in her very deep, booming powerful voice cry out mighty God and we got to get a hold of that we have a mighty God what a mighty God we serve well I better hurry up here I'm running out of time and I'm not even started so what does this mean for the individual okay this whole thing this this name this identity what does it mean for the individual Well, the truth is, our identity begins with our family of origin. And then it continues on with life's experiences. How many of you know that life is like a house of mirrors? David Siemens points this out in his book, Healing for Damaged Emotions. And the truth is that we often see ourselves through the eyes of others. With the messages they give us with the experiences we've had at their hands, with the things that go on in our life. And I will tell you that individuals who have grown up into poverty have a lot of issues that maybe many of us have never had. And so depending on their circumstances and depending on any of our circumstances, we again tend to live out the person we believe ourselves to be. I've been very blessed in life to have four children. My first three children came through the foster care system. And the first one was my daughter Stacy, the oldest. She's sitting right over there. That's that beautiful brunette in the third row with the orange. Um, yeah, Kurt, she's beautiful. Take care of her, be good to her. <laughs> Kurt could tell you some stories about uh, when he met Stacy's dad. And uh, I'll thank you not to do so. You'll scare everybody. But, um, but anyway, Stacy came to us. She was four years old, and she'd only been with us for a couple days. And um, my wife heard some rattling in the kitchen, and she walked into the kitchen, and Stacy was um, digging through the kitchen trash can. My wife says, Stacy, what are you doing? She said, I'm looking for something to eat. And what we didn't realize is Stacy was going through the trash can looking for something to eat to hide it in her room so when she was hungry, she'd have food. My wife goes, Stacy, we don't go to the garbage can to eat in this house. Stacy said, Well, that's what I did in my other house. But Stacy, you're in a new house and open the cupboard door, and we have a cupboard, and we've got lots of food. Okay? And so Stacy's in a new family. And what is she developing? She's developing a new identity. True transformation begins. This is a very important word. True transformation begins. That word begins is important. When a person comes to the realization of who they are in Christ, it's there they begin to find true self-worth. I love the book of Ephesians. It's one of my favorite New Testament books. It's divided into two portions. The first half of Ephesians is doctrinal. The second half is practical application of that doctrine. I had a lady tell me one time, please don't Preach doctrine—it's boring. I don't want to hear it. Well, uh, let me tell you something. Chapters four, five, and six—it's where the rubber meets the road. It tells you how to live. It tells you what the church ought to look like. It tells you what the home ought to look like. It tells you what marriage ought to look like. It tells you how children ought to interact in that situation. It tells you about spiritual warfare. Okay, it's all there. But if you miss chapters one two, and three, where Paul drives home who we are in Christ, you'll never get the application correct. It's very interesting that in the first two chapters of Ephesians, Paul mentions in Christ, in him, in whom, in the beloved, these kinds of terms 23 times. Seems to me he wanted us to really get it. It's not until we begin to understand who we are in Christ that the process of transformation begins. And you see, it is a process. I remember back in the late 1950s uh, when some of the healing evangelists um, were really uh, pretty popular in this country and and one of them had come to Teaneck, New Jersey and uh, my parents took us. We were just little kids and I remember... Uh, sitting there in that large armory and uh, the preacher he preached a sermon and now they had the healing line and here was this long enormous line of people lined up for prayer my uncle happened to notice in his meetings as he was praying for people and the tv cameras were now trained on him that he took a lot of time praying for these first few people. My uncle's thinking, we're going to be here for a week. And then after those first few people were prayed for, and I'm not criticizing, this is the only way you could do this when you've got that kind of a long healing line, okay? But as soon as the cameras were off, he went down the line, be healed, be healed, be healed. And he's just hitting people on the head, be healed. You know, and God... Often does heal bodies just that way. But when you're talking about the healing of the soul, when you're talking about that inner healing of the individual, oh, I, God could, but God in His Word says, be transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if you study the verb tempts is there, it is not an instantaneous work. It is a godly process. Just as a little baby, and I I love little babies, and you probably do too. And who who would want to have the ministry of laying hands on baby and saying, Be an adult! Be an adult! And miss all those years in between. Okay? Well, it doesn't work any different when you come to Christ and you're born again of the Spirit of God. But now there's a growing process, a developing process, a process of transformation. And in that process of transformation, we need a new house of mirrors. We need new life experiences. You know what we really need is God in the flesh. God with skin on. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.1, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you to be reconciled uh, to Christ, um, be reconciled to God. And then he says in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And here's where it gets exciting. We get to be a part of that process. Let me tell you five things that are so very necessary in the process, and you all can be a part of it, uh, of this process. If you know the Lord, you're walking with the Lord, you can be a part of this process. What are some of the things we get to do? Number one, we get to pray with people. There's power when you pray for someone. There's greater power when you pray with someone. And in our call center, our mentors get to call our clients on a weekly basis and one of the first things they do or last things they do is, can we pray together? And they are praying with them and when you come into those circumstances, how many times when you go to pray with somebody and they start crying, what's going on? The presence of God, the Lord shows up, He touches their heart and it's a part of that process now of transformation, and then through the ministry of encouragement. Encouragement is a ministry. What does that mean? Encourage. It means to infuse courage, to infuse strength. We encourage people by the words which we speak. One of our former clients who has applied again to be a client and has just struggled in so many, many areas of life. has needed a job, and, and yet has been terrified of a job interview. And I got a text this week saying, I got a job interview. Keep your fingers crossed. And I texted back, I'm praying. And then I said in the text, walk in there with your head held high. Show them who you are. You can do it. I don't remember things along that line. Well, long story short, she got the job yeah. and, and reported back, I did what you said and, and, and I told them some things that I thought were important and the manager said, wow, well, you think like I think. And, and, and she got the job. More important than getting the job was the change of countenance and, and this sense of, wow, I did it! Yeah. Yeah. That's transformation, folks. Yeah. Yeah. I love our reinstituted car ministry in Brevard County it's very difficult to have a job support your family if you don't have a car we helped a young man some time ago get a car and then the car died transmission went out of it, and it wasn't worth fixing well we've reinstituted our, our, our car ministry and God has blessed us with some great cars and uh, one of these was a Ford Explorer this young man was really excited he's a single dad he's working hard he's gone through budget mentoring and so on he's making real progress but but he needed a car so this one came along and it's like okay this is his car and um you know i'm gonna throw out names here the names are changed these are true stories the names are changed (laughs) to protect the innocent okay And, and so this guy i'll call mark okay is excited he's gonna get this car and i had the privilege this week of uh taking him over to where we had the car stored And he's telling me all about why he's so happy to get this car and he likes Fords and he can get parts for it. And he's just really excited about the car. And as we came around the corner, I go, hey, Mark, look, there's your car. If you could have seen his face. Oh,
0: wow. It's
3: beautiful. I don't know what he thought he was going to get, but... To see the the joy on the space. What does it say? Say, Mark, you are worth something. You are valuable. And we're not just going to give you a a worn out heap. We're going to try to give you a good car that will really meet your needs. We do the same thing in the thrift store when people uh, need furniture and whatever. And they come in and there are some ministries that they, they have the nice stuff on the sales floor. That's for the customers. And then they have another warehouse. and Well, that's for the clients. Shame on them. Our clients come in and we give them a voucher and you don't have to know all the details, how it works, but they get to pick out something nice because it says, you know what, you're worth something. You're worth a decent couch. You're worth a decent chair. You're worth a good refrigerator, whatever it happens to be. And it's a way of encouraging. And, and of course, there is uh, education and the whole budget mentoring process, which is so very important. And then there's the matter of counseling. And, yes, we have Christian licensed counselors, but you know what? 90% of the counseling you can do, it is simply offering godly uh, wisdom to the situation at hand and we can be a part of that process. And then the most important one is relationship. Building relationships. And I love the relationships between the ministries and the mentors and the clients. I was looking for a good story. Here's a a good one. Uh, Several people that are involved in this. The two main players are Bryce and David. Bryce and David are two young men who aged out of the foster care system. If you noticed on the video, uh, the mention of Ready for Life. And so, Ready for Life, Love, Inc., uh, Church on the Rock with Budget Mentoring, Wholeness to Freedom for a a Host site came together. So all these ministries now are, are coming together. And one of the young men in that uh, setting was Bryce. And Bryce had aged out of the foster care system. But you know, these kids age out. And suddenly at the age of 18, well, you're on your own now. They've gone from foster home to foster home. They're not ready for life. They don't have the skills they need for life. What happens? They wind up getting in trouble. They wind up in jail. And there that process goes, okay? On and on. And so Ready for Life wants the minister to these kids. And they provided housing. And you saw how Love Inc. came together and said, we can help with furniture and we can help with clothing. And, and then we uh, budget mentoring because they need to know how to handle the money and so on. So this is all coming together. And, and Bryce is in this. And then one of the young men, Alan, was also there. Alan needed a ride. He couldn't get there. So he grabbed a friend by the name of David and said, would you take me to budget mentoring? And David comes in and they invite him in. And one of our mentors, Cindy Coleman, strikes up a conversation with David and she finds out he also had aged out of the foster system. David is what they call a runner. He gets in trouble and he runs. Gets in trouble with the law, he runs. Never stays any one place very long. He gets, goes, he, he runs, he runs. Well, through his showing up there, just happened to show up because somebody needed a ride, you know how things just happen, and, and, and they, they, they plug him in, and now he's, uh, they, they say, okay, well, we're providing a home for Bryce, and David, you can be uh, a roommate with Bryce. Well, it didn't work. Bryce he, he was such a hot mess and had such a lack of skills, and, and David just couldn't live with it. So David moved out, and they found him another place to live, and then David got in trouble, and David did what he always does. He ran, okay? So he's gone. Fast forward a little bit, and Cindy, one of our mentors who is helping mentoring these kids, reaches out to Bryce, and Bryce says, well... Yeah, I'm, I'm just recovering over COVID, and so is David. He's like, so is David. He ran, but he came back. Amen. Why? The first time in his life, he had a friend. He had built a relationship. He felt safe, and so David has come back, and now the two boys together, Okay? Are growing as they're being mentored and they're getting ready for life that's transformation well I'm gonna hurry real quickly the second thing we have here in this scripture in the psalm is his strength seek the Lord and his strength and I would submit to you that transformation is a lifelong arduous journey it is not an easy process It is not an easy process for those who are being transformed, and it's not an easy process for the church uh, who who are serving them. It requires inner strength. It requires what some people would call intestinal fortitude. Dan Walker, um, years ago, taught me a phrase that has come in very handy. Dan had a way of just getting excited about things and, and putting things on your plate, and he was putting too many things on my plate, and I'm like, well, Dan, you are snowing me too much. Dan says, well, let me tell you something I learned from my wife, Joanne. It's okay to say, I'm sorry, I don't have capacity for that. Oh, that's great. Now I can use that. Now I know how to handle it. And so uh, when my wife says, you know, i no. <laughs> I could say, honey, I'm sorry, but I just don't have capacity for that. But again, I think sometimes that has been a cop-out. And so now as a church looking at the magnitude of the calling of the mission that God has given us, we can say, well, Lord, I'm sorry, we don't have capacity for that. But that's not true. Because Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I would share with you this morning that if God has called us to it, we have unlimited capacity because we have the capacity of Christ. We have the capacity of God and we can do anything and everything God calls us to do. But I would remind you that you will not do it in your own strength you will do it only in the power and the anointing, the infilling of God, the Holy Spirit. We claim to be a, a a spirit-filled church. We claim to believe in the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I know that we do. But sometimes I don't think we stress it enough. Jesus said to the disciples in Acts chapter one, verses four and five. Um, you can throw that up there. I'm not going to read all of it, but he says, "I do not want you to depart from Jerusalem." You're to wait. What? To wait for the coming, the anointing, the infilling of the Holy Spirit because you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I would say this morning that our dynamic, our power, our inner strength is that infilling, it is that anointing, it is that strengthening of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 down at around verse 15 uh, and, and, and Paul is writing there, and he says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being lightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. What what do we read? I think it's the book of Zechariah. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Friends, we have the mighty Holy Spirit of God who will infill us and will anoint us and will empower us and enable us to do the things that God calls us to do. Ephesians 3.16, that He would grant you according to the riches of its glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. We need that for ministry, and our clients need that for growth. And if we can somehow impart to them the necessity, but also the willingness of God to give them what they need so that they truly can begin to uh, experience that transformational process, that's where real transformation begins to take place. It's where the rubber meets the road, if you please. There's no part of ministry, but what we need, the anointing, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It was D.L. Moody who said there's no use in attempting to do God's work without God's power. A man working without this unction, a man working without this anointing, a man working without the Holy Ghost upon him is losing time after all. We all need it, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and let us not rest day nor night, until we possess it. If that is the uppermost thought in our hearts, God will give it to us if we just hunger and thirst for it and say, God helping me, I will not rest until endued with power from on high. Are you filled this morning? Oh, I thank God I was filled 30 years ago. That's wonderful. Are you filled this morning? In filling of the Holy Spirit, I think, is one of the most exciting things that I've ever experienced, probably far more than the initial experience of salvation. I was saved when I was about eight years of age in a Jack Wartson Baptist youth rally. And uh, the invitation was given and I just remember standing there and a pastor came, put his arm around me, said, son, would you like to give your heart to the Lord? And I just melted and right there gave my heart to the Lord and I knew that I was saved. Well, it was a few years later. I was probably twelve. On 13. David Wilkerson had just started his ministry um, in uh, New York City, Teen Challenge. He was a young pastor from Pennsylvania. He's there in New York. Our church was in North Jersey. We invited him in to come into the service, and I remember uh, David was there and he preached on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In those days, uh, we did church, what then was different, and I'm so glad you guys have finally caught on. Um, because uh, I, we, we, we had the main service, okay, and, and this was usually Sunday night. But we had the main service, and we, we'd sing some songs, we'd sing some choruses, and the preacher would give the, do the preaching, okay, and, and that didn't take real long. But after the service, we had the after service. And the after service is where we went back into worship. And began to sing spontaneous worship songs, praise songs or whatever. And it was in that atmosphere of worship and praise that the the invitation would be given. And I remember the night thinking, man, I, I don't know what all that is, but I know that I want it. About 12 years of age went down and I was powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit. Following Sunday night, they give the invitation. And I'm thinking, you know what? I got a lot, but I want more. Okay, and they're telling me I can have a, I can have a prayer language, and I want that too. And I remember going down and, and kneeling down at the altar, and I, and I started to pray, and it was like it was dead. It was dry. I wasn't getting anywhere. I'm only 12 years old. And I thought, you know what? I'm not leaving until I get something. And all I know is all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came down and powerfully touched me. All right, I'm praising the Lord and I'm worshiping God. And the next thing I know I'm saying things that I don't know what I'm saying. All I know is it's just kind of gushing. Okay, interesting. The great evangelist Finney talks about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, his own personal testimony, and he writes how suddenly he started speaking gushings in the Spirit. He didn't know what else to call it. So this is not something new, folks. (laughs) It's been around a long time. All right. And, you know, it was a tremendous experience. Powerful experience. And yet at the same time, I'm 12 years old, and I didn't suddenly become a powerful evangelist. I didn't become a a miracle worker. I, I wasn't doing a lot of things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. but there was one change I was reflecting on this this past week there was one major change suddenly god was more real than he had ever been and the next few years in my early teens with a whole lot of trauma and a whole lot of issues going on i would sneak off to my room i would shut the door Sometimes I'd lay on the bed and sometimes I'd stretch out on the floor and I'd put my hands in the air and I'd begin to worship the Lord and the presence of God would come down and God and I were hanging out and we were having a time. As I was thinking about that this past week, I realized what it really was about, which is the the last point that I want to make this morning. And that is this matter of His face face to face with Jesus uh, right there I was having intimacy with God And Tony I'm convinced that the, the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into a deeper intimacy with God and now it's out of that deeper intimacy with God that everything else flows And if I can leave you with one thing this morning, it's just that. Press in to God. Into an intimate relationship with Him. Some of you are probably thinking, does that mean I have to speak in tongues? No. But I would ask you this. Thank you, Lord. Say that again, louder. Why not? Why not? why would you want to refuse a gift? that God says, I want to give you that among other things is going to enable you and your spirit to commune perhaps a little better with his spirit and and strengthen you. And so I say, man, I wanted all that God had for me. I went off to Bible college and I unlearned some things. And I'm so God glad that eventually God brought me full circle you, back to that place you, of realizing this is what it's all about, really. And the process of transformation, friends, will never be complete until we are brought into that deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. Amen. Just a few minutes as a church, we're going back into worship you can do one of two things. Well, you can do three things. One, you can walk out. Please don't do that. You can stay in your seats and you can sing the songs and that's okay. Or you can enter into worship and you can say, God I want all that you want. And I, and I know this church well enough to know that if you want a deeper walk and you want a freshened filling of the Holy Spirit, or you think you've never really been filled, and if, if you would like uh, you know, some, of the manif- some of the gifts of, of the Spirit to manifest in your life, there are people here who will pray with you. And if you just go for it, go for it. Young people, go for it. I remember the Sunday last year when I walked in that door and I saw a whole bunch of you over in the foyer and you were sitting in those chairs, okay, uh, behind the nursery there in the foyer. And as I walked in, the Holy Spirit just said, not just the future leaders, okay, but the, the future leaders in, in, in the future's now. And God has a calling upon you. God has a, God has a, 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 um, a, a mission for you, a, a task for you. God's got something for you to do. And you may not know what it looks like right now, but God's got His hand on you. God's got His hand on this youth group. A youth group that two and a half years ago didn't exist. But God has brought it together and God has something for you. And I say, press into God. Go for everything that God has and see what God will do with your life. And you will never regret it. Amen.